Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is currently in the hospital having his left armpit replaced. Filling in, one Mr. Brian Baker. Hey, Brian, how are you? I cannot believe this! Sorry, Nigel, just needed to get that out of the way right at the beginning here. I I didn't understand that. What was that? (laughs) It's been pointed out to me that I have a tendency uh, sometimes to get a little bit animated when I am Mm. uh, in the midst of a rant. And and as the rant goes on, apparently my pitch gets higher and higher and higher until ultimately we reach the pitch where only a dog can hear what I'm saying. You haven't even started the segment yet and you're on a rant. I like it. I like the passion. I like the fire. Uh, one of the they things the, one of the things you've noticed uh, as much as you pay attention to uh, media is that the uh, uh, mainstream outlets are actually doing their job now, whether it's ABC, CBS, uh, NBC, CNN. Everybody's noticed this crisis at the border. Everybody's noticed the millions and millions of people of illegal aliens constantly crossing the border. El Paso seems to be a hip place to go when you want to cover the crisis but there's a yeah. little you know brian there's a little narrative going on there is a crisis but it's all the republicans fault but there's a <laughs> you, heard, you heard the reasoning we played the clip of uh old lady raditz yesterday from abc asking uh, governor abbott basically saying hey look you know joe biden's not is not the one saying they're borders wide open it's you it's desantis it's uh the governor you know of of arizona it's it's people uh of your ilk that are saying the borders wide open and that's what's fueling the uh the drug trafficking and the human trafficking it's your fault I see what they're doing here. They're utilizing that Jedi mind trick type uh, political speak here, where they try and use their opponent's words against them. But we all know that's not the case because Joe Biden, from the very beginning, has been the the immigration, illegal immigration friendly president. He set the tone from the beginning. And it's very hard to undo that when people have this general impression that, yeah, man, things are nice and porous. We got rid of that uh, that mean old man that wanted to build a wall. Now things are are, are good open and i'll be golly uh the humanitarian crisis apparently uh kids in cages is no longer an issue we don't uh, go down to take a look at that at all that's that's not a, a factor that we're considering here at least they are covering it unfortunately they're di- covering it as dishonestly as they yeah, normally they do. say okay so biden rolls out the red carpet in his first 100 days as president wanted to halt the portion stop on the border wall uh and then republicans mm-hmm. call him out on it and now it's their fault well, you guys are the ones that are saying it's wide open. And here, listen, I'll give you just another example. Corrine Jean-Pierre facing backlash, huh. claiming the border huh. is not open, which is basically a lie. Uh, here she is talking about how it's not open, that anyone suggesting otherwise was doing the work of human smugglers and spreading misinformation. So a couple of things. I do want to go back for a second to your immigration question. 
one of the reasons that I want to be very clear that to, to folks that the border uh, is not open and, and we will remove uh, using Title VIII is because by not being very clear on that, we are doing the work of the smugglers who are going to put forth misinformation. So we want to be very clear uh, on that piece. Mm, so basically, <laughs> so basically, if you say the border is open, if you say there are problems at the border, it's your fault. <laughs> here is Harris. Yeah. Here is Harris Faulkner, Fox News, had sort of a rebuttal. And then listen in the middle of this clip, Brian. You'll hear an ICE agent that's in a training video talking about how the illegals are processed. Despite what we're seeing on the ground, the Biden administration, though, is insisting that the border is not open, free to cross into. It claims anyone who says anything different is doing the work of smugglers. As illegal immigrants fan out all over the nation, don't be so sure anyone is keeping track of them. Operation Horizon, the background on this, you know, over the summer, uh, we had well over 150,000 folks come in. Uh, they were issued a piece of paper that said, go find somebody in ICE. That was pretty much it. So there was no processing. Those are the ones we know about the ones that we try to vet, the ones that at least have come through that we can at least attach some name that they choose to give us to. There are a million others called gotaways. We don't know where they are. And Brian, the gotaways are the ones that, that give me chills because we don't know who they are. We don't know what their intentions are. We don't know their names. We don't know where they went. And they're just out there wandering around. No, and they're not going to solve this problem, by the way, Nigel. And and just how sick and depraved and truly evil are these folks now that they're, they actually go on the attack when you call out a problem yeah. and we're discussing it in the open. You can't do that anymore because, uh-oh, people might misinterpret that down below. Listen, we have got – we've had this problem going on my entire lifetime, Nige, and they're trying to pin it on Republicans, talking about how Republicans don't want to get behind this increased funding for the border. Increased funding is not going to get the results the American people desire. They are throwing it at crap like faster processing. Why would you spend money on improving the efficiency of accommodating violators of immigration law? That's a good point. Why would you do that? You know, they, they, listen, and neither party wants to solve it. They really don't. They say they do. I mean, listen, the Republicans say they want to solve it, but they don't. Hell, they used to. In the 1990s, Bill Clinton, he was he was pro-border enforcement. Democrats used to be for strong borders because a flux of immigrants flooding the country means lower wages for American workers. But what happened to that? You know, drugs coming across the border. We've got children that are being sexually trafficked. Kids in cages is paradise compared to what the, some of oh, these yeah. kids are having to face, man. But they don't want to enforce the border because, well, one, it's, it, it might be interpreted as racist. But more importantly, we need those workers and those tax dollars to help fund the entitlement programs. That these immigrants are going to pay into, but they'll never receive any of the benefits themselves. It's sick. Texas Governor Abbott, some might say he hasn't done enough on his end to help protect the border, maybe too little too late, but he is sending National Guard troops to the border in anticipation that this Title 42 does expire. Uh, the, the Supreme Court put a temporary hold on the expiration, but uh, here's Bill Malugin on the border in Texas. Yesterday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent 400 Texas National Guard soldiers to El Paso because of the migrant surge going on there, and we're just now getting a look at how some of those soldiers are being deployed at the river's edge in El 
El Paso. Texas National Guard soldiers, dozens of them with Humvees and Texas DPS troopers now lining the Rio Grande and deploying razor wire. The state of Texas is now deploying significant resources there with those troopers, Humvees, soldiers and razor wire. And they are obviously taking a very uninviting posture for any migrants who are planning to cross. Uh, it seems like millions of people are clamoring to get into this country illegally or otherwise. And I can't blame him, quite frankly, with the promise no, of free health care, with the promise of sanctuary cities, with free housing. Who could blame people for wanting to claim asylum here or come here illegal or uh, illegally or, or come here for reasons other than um, uh, political oppression? Economic asylum well, is what they call it. Yeah, but, you know, Nigel, I understand that the majority of people that are trying to get into this country, they are coming from horrific circumstances, and they are looking for a better life. Many of them are trying to give their children a better life. I get that. I'm sensitive to that. But we have to live in reality. We are not the world's police, and we are not the world's damn lifeboat. We have real problems and real challenges that we need to solve here at home. And I have yet to hear one politician actually put forth a cohesive plan to get this under control and to address this problem ongoing, not just today, not just next week, not just send a bunch of troops to the border because we've got the expiration of Title 42. No, how are we going to solve this problem in the long run for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road? And if we wanted to solve it, we could solve it tomorrow. There you go. Your voice does get a little higher the, uh, the longer yes. the rant goes on. I like it, though. Listen, they could they could do it in Washington. I mean, they're dumb, but they're not that dumb. There are smart people that know how to get this situation under control, but they just don't want to do it. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, Brian Baker's filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. Uh, Brian, words like American, words like grandfather. Words like brave are words that Stanford University has included in its index of harmful language. <laughs> Grandfather, brave, American. Yeah, it's in their uh, new index of harmful language because they are ableist, ageist, and racist. The college published this harmful language to eliminate um, for racist, violent, and biased terms. And so you can't find it on, on its IT systems or on its websites or any sort of Stanford literature anymore. American you know, grandfather and brave. <laughs> <laughs> this is the great equalizer for me, Nigel. Like, there's no need for me to ever feel intimidated by someone who graduated sure. from one of these Ivy League universities because I know they're highly intelligent. They've got these uh, these huge IQs, but what it really comes down to is they're just a bunch of weenies that are offended and emotionally traumatized by words. And it's it's like <laughs> this even... is this is the kind of thing that guys like. Bill Maher highlight on a show and point to and say this is why conservatives and Republicans think we are a bunch of idiots and a-holes is is this weak crap like this so I've got more so what I'm going to do here if you'll indulge me I've got the original word I've got the word you're supposed to swap it with and then the wow. reason for the swap so the original word that they're getting I'm rid of take notes here Walk in. 
They're gonna they're gonna they're they're now swapping that word with drop in or open office. Reason? Ah. Ableist language that trivializes the experiences of people living with disabilities. <laughs> so this can't be real. No, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm calling you at this no, is no, gonna no, be no. cracked magazine or something. Uh, um we'll go. <laughs> At the opening of the segment, I mentioned the word grandfather. Here's the original word uh, grandfather. We're going to swap grandfather yeah. in the new Stanford uh, um, literature mm-hmm. with legacy. Replacing grandfather <laughs> with legacy. This term has its roots in the grandfather clause adopted by southern states to deny voting rights to blacks. Well, wait a minute. Actually, my grandfather is listening to us right now, Nigel. And, and oh, my oh. understanding is, uh, is it now is it how you utilize the term? Can I no longer call my grandpa grandpa? Apparently not. If you're on the campus of Stanford. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I would re- officially refer to him as Legacy, legacy? Baker. Uh, yeah, Legacy Baker. <laughs> or Great Legacy Baker for my for my daughter. All right, excellent. Um, let's stuff. see here. Okay, let's go to the word brave which is another word I mentioned at the beginning of the segment. No longer are you allowed to say brave at Stanford. Yeah. We're going to swap that out with, actually, we're going to swap it out with none do not use because this term <laughs> perpetuates the stereotype of the noble, courageous savage <laughs> equating the indigenous male as being less than a man. What? Dude, this is... Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, so don't so even use brave. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> Well, uh, yes, indeed. You know, we we joke all the time about how uh, our generation could not go to world, you know, fight in World War II and defeat uh, Hitler. And now we can't even call them brave. Okay, (laughs) onward. This is good stuff. All right. The original word, man hours. Oh, dear. This is going to be a problem right away. Uh, I can tell. We're going to Stanford swapping out man hours with person hours, effort hours. Or labor time. Oh God! This term really reinforces hours. The, <laughs> yeah, this term reinforces male-dominated language. So, no more man hours, effort hours. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. Good. American. No longer allowed to say American at uh, Stanford anymore. We're going to swap that out with U.S. citizen, and here's why. This yeah. term often refers to people from the United States only thereby insinuating that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas, which is actually made up of 42 countries. Well, not to ruffle any feathers, Nige, but isn't that pretty much the case? Aren't we sort of the most important country? We are. We are the global superpower. I realize that the Biden administration is working day and night to uh, to fix that. But as of now, we are still the world's superpower. I think the United States is the most important country. Yeah, Not, not according to Stanford American. literature. Not according to Stanford. I could go on. How about this one? The original word, white space. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. No, this That's is not good. We're going to swap that with empty space. Assigns oh, okay. value connotations based on color. White <laughs> equals good. An act which is subconsciously racialized. Uh-huh. Um, empty space is kind of my uh, uh, off-the-cuff term for uh, the majority of people that vote. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, how about the word prostitute? Again. These are all mm-hmm. words uh, from, that have been removed, uh, that have been added to the index of harmful language at Stanford uh-huh. University. Prostitute. Not can't say prostitute. We're going to swap that out yes. with person who engages in sex work. 
Using person-first <laughs> language helps to not define people by just one of their characteristics. Oh, very nice. Okay. I, I, I'm, I, I promise. I got two more, and they're really good. All right. Uh, Here's the original. Well, you know what? Then when they graduate with their degrees and their doctors and their yeah. lawyers, I'm not calling them that either because I don't want to reduce them to what they do for a living. Exactly. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> That's such a good point. All right. Uh, the original. <laughs> Killing two birds with one stone. We're going to swap that oh. out with accomplishing two things at once because this expression normalizes violence against animals. <laughs> Last okay. but not right. least, good. last good. but not least, trigger warning. Uh, we're going to oh. swap that out with content note. The phrase can cause stress about what's to follow. Additionally, one can <laughs> never know what may or may not trigger a particular person. Again, there you go. Okay. Content note. So now trigger warning mm -hmm. is too triggering. We have to have a trigger <laughs> warning for the trigger warning. Those are all the you words. Are, Stanford what a bunch of weirdos. It, it really is. Uh, those are all the words Stanford God. University includes in its index of harmful language. Uh, I, I need I to hit a break here because up America. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. I, I do want to hit a break here because next we have a special guest, a liquor industry expert by the name of Bubba Draper, who is the founder of the Hall of Fame Spirits. Uh, have you noticed? I know you're not a big drinker, but but our tasted liquor is like recession proof. <laughs> Americans Americans are sp still spending a buttload, billions and billions of dollars. It's recession proof. Mm -hmm. It's inflation proof. And uh, we're going to get him on next, an expert to help explain why. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. What's it hit in your lips? It's so good. Time for booze news. You know, it seems like according to the numbers that the beer and wine industry, um, the U.S. craft spirits industry Recession proof. Uh, my name is Nigel. Brian Baker's filling in for Jason Hammer. We're going to go to the experts on this and figure out what's going on. Bubba Draper is the uh, liquor industry expert, founder of Hall of Fame Spirits. Bubba, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic, Nigel. Thank you guys very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Before we get into crunching some of these numbers and talking about how good the industry has been over the past couple of years, can you maybe just give us a little background on you and your, and your resume? Okay. Well, uh, it was about seven and a half, eight years ago, I decided 
on a whim that I wanted to get into the liquor industry. I was sitting at a whiskey bar in Park City, so obviously a little bit of booze was probably influences my my decisions at that point in time. Yeah. But I spent the last seven years building a craft brand from scratch, everything from glass to juice to to brand to trademarks to patents. Uh, I started started that process seven years ago, and I launched about five years ago. So I have seen quite a bit of difference in the last two two and a half years in the craft side of the business. Absolutely. Boy, I'm, I mean, talking about the realization of the American dream right there. Most guys just sit, do what you do, sit around a bar and say, hey, it'd be great if I had my own brand of liquor and blah, 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 or I had my own bar, but it never comes to fruition. And Bubba, you, uh, I mean, you the, the American dream personified. Congratulations, man. That's pretty cool. Oh, I, pre- I appreciate that, Nigel. Absolutely. And I tell people a thousand different pieces had to fall into place. It's a huge uh, market yeah. with a lot of big boys, a lot of big boys in, in play. Uh, so us craft brands definitely have an uphill battle, but I have not been happier than I've been the last seven years. That's for sure. Okay, so tell me, especially these past couple of years with supply chain issues and the pandemic and inflation. Let's let's just start with your business in particular, and maybe we can expand outward to some of the other some of the other guys. It's how it's, and how it's been affecting them. Okay. Yeah. So the interesting part is, yeah, about five years ago when I launched, you know, it was it was a hot market. People yes. were starting brands because of all the celebrities that were in it. People were selling like Casamigos, those kinds of companies, for you know billions of dollars at the time. So. You know, from a craft standpoint, um, it was a good time to launch, uh, unbeknownst to any of us, right, that we were going to have this worldwide shutdown across the board. And you hit the nail on the head. The supply chain was probably the hardest thing to navigate from a small brand standpoint. Um, you know, we're not ordering in the mass volumes that the larger brands are ordering. But the good news is, is we're very nimble, right? We can act and react and change our direction of the river uh, almost on demand, uh, whereas larger brands take you know, months, if not years, to try to change what they've been doing or what they've agreed to cost-wise. So about two years ago, when the pandemic actually started, the good news is we, we had enough inventory from a craft small brand standpoint mm. where we had warehouses that were full enough to meet the supply for that two years, wow. um, which, which was amazing because, as you, as you said on the supply chain, we saw t- uh, containers that were coming from overseas to the United States for raw goods go up four to six times at that point in time. So if we were, if we were yeah, it, it was unbelievable. There was people in the industry that said they had never seen that kind of increase in the history of the supply chain on the, on the CPG side and especially on the adult beverage side. So navigating that, you know, we were very lucky um, to be able to have that stock in place and to be able to meet that supply. Then people sat at home, sat in front of their computers, you know, they, they actually sat there and said, you know what, I don't have to drink what I've been drinking my entire life. Let's be creative. Let's research some stuff. Let's try things that are different. Interesting. So the, the two years were fantastic. I mean, some of these numbers worldwide, total sales in 2021, surpassing $7.5 billion. And what you're telling me is because you locally here in the States had such an inventory built up that the guys that were importing wine and spirits were having to having a lot of problems in terms of pricing and getting that inventory out to its customers so you were you were in a good spot if i understood that correctly 
No, absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, those That's those incredible. those brands that also brought it over, they didn't have any kind of cost increases built into their product margins. Oh. So not only were they having to import at a higher rate, they also were were asked to keep their numbers flat, as we were too. But and the good news on our side is is you know less overhead, less you know headcount. You know we we usually weren't stretching ourselves with hundreds of employees that we had to keep on payroll. So. The good news is, is as they bought in at, at an expensive rate, where they they were eating, their margins were absolutely crushed. Where our margins stayed the same, if not went up at that point in time. Wow, liquor industry expert Jerry Bubba Draper here on the Hammer and Nigel show. So, so what's going on then? I mean, America's drinking habit is is getting more expensive, and I mean, despite inflation, consumers at least from the outside looking in, don't seem to mind paying for a quality bottle of booze. Is that your perception? 100% accurate. I think that people have a tendency of spending either the same or more. And I kind of break it down to the people who are asking me when I'm going into these bars and restaurants and talking, people uh, want to premium, you know, do a premium brand, um, you know, in their liquor side, in their kids side, and then their pet side. Those three things, people have no problem spending the same or more um, on those types of things that are better, better for them, better for their pets, better for their kids. So on the liquor side, as we go into this, the market for the last year and a half, two years, there's huge brands that are coming out that are more expensive than they've ever been. I mean, yeah. you're looking at vodkas that are coming in at 25 to $40 per bottle. We're very fortunate that we're at a $20 market, but there's brands that are coming in where the market on the vodka side, as an example, was never above 25 to 30 35 wow. at, uh, in our lifetime. Maybe drill down to that just a little deeper. Why is our taste in liquor so... So recession-proof. I mean, you go back to the Roaring Twenties. Uh, Americans tasted liquor was prohibition-proof. They absolutely. They didn't. They, it didn't matter if if the the United States government banned it. It got to its customers. So tell me why you think it's recession-proof, and why aren't Americans trading down to the cheaper brands? Why are craft spirit sales breaking records year after year after year? I think the consumers become educated, yes, right? Where, where they were looking before yes. at, you know, what somebody was flash marketing in front of their face, right? They were, they were pushed brands by these conglomerates and it was a hundred percent marketing a hundred percent of the time. And they were being told that a product was good when the products necessarily, if you put them in a taste test or like us, when we're going to these world spirits competitions, they're putting things side by side and they're, they're and the internet has only fed that where people are actually getting more and more data on, you know what, if I want to go out and get a bourbon and I want to spend $35, I've got a huge choice on that product line. So let's research, let's find out who's won awards, let's find out who's in the craft world and and is actually doing things, you know, handcrafted, sourcing from farm to table, um, and let's spend that $35 wisely. Or if it takes us an extra $5 to get that real good premium product when my friends are coming over or I'm having a party or going to Christmas, then let's spend that extra $5 because I'm now educated not only on the the brand but the product. And I can talk about this when I when I have friends and family that are over. So you become knowledgeable, not only because we're we're a little bit separated from the true blast of marketing telling us what to do. And we're actually, you know, especially the new generations are actually making decisions on their own and they have surplus money to spend. You know what it's you know what it is for me, Bubba? I, I have I, I just like having choice at my house. I've got 
uh, Knob Creek. I've got Woodford. I've got Angels Envy. I've got Evan Williams. I've got my go-to Jim Beam. Um, you know, array of tequilas. I just like having that choice there for me. And you're right. If you're gonna spend that much money on something, you you absolutely that's a great point you made about people and consumers educating themselves as opposed to just you know go going and buying a plastic half gallon of old crow which there's nothing wrong with that i'm not judging not judging before i let you go here uh, jerry tell me um we're speaking with jerry bubba draper is a liquor industry expert did you, you said you have your own brand of vodkas and gluten and sugar additive free vodkas and things like that Yep. So uh, on that seven-year mark, I actually am a, I'm a huge sports fanatic. And what I had decided at that point in time is I looked on the back bar. I was going into liquor stores. And what I found was there was a gap in the industry. And that gap was who's marketing to me and my friends who are these huge sports fans as we grew up and are, you know, at, you know, in our you know, mid to late 40s, 50s. Yeah. Who's marketed to us from a sports liquor standpoint? And those two things go to head in hand. So someone like a Budweiser has been doing it forever, but on the hard liquor spirit side, no one was taking advantage of that market. So what I built is I built a sports brand. So I have a sports lifestyle brand that's called Hall of Fame. And we currently do just the vodka out of the gate. But we do plan on expansion on those extensions. Um, but it's been well received. It looks like a baseball bat. People absolutely we've won awards around the world for our design and our trademarking and our patent. And the good news is it's a small family owned craft brand. And it's if you f- walk into a sports bar or you walk into a store and you want to buy something for you because you're a sports fan or you want to buy something for your friends and family, buy something that's that's at that premium level, yeah. then Hall of Fame is exactly what you want to buy. And by the way, just for a guy like me, who is probably the new year going to try to have to tamp down some of his drinking so I could lose a little bit of weight, this is the... I always hear people talking about the good kind of vodka or the good kind of tequila that doesn't have like all the sugars and additives. Is this is this the case with Hall of Fame? Absolutely. We add nothing to our vodka. Um, and we use what, what kind of separates us from everybody else is we actually okay. use limestone water in Kentucky. And it's world renowned for obviously it's water in Kentucky with all of our bourbons. But you're right. We don't have to add those additives or those flavorings or those sugars to try to bury what is a bad vodka where some companies have to do that. We want a pure clean where if you want to drink it on the rocks <laughs> or if you want to do a splash of soda or a splash of crayon or something like that, I tell people do a splash. You don't need all that sugary your body anyway um, but do something maybe a flavored water even that has no no sugar and if you have a good quality beverage and that that goes across the board for vodka bourbon gin tequila if you have a quality base you don't need to smother it with something that tastes different founder of hall of fame spirits uh, liquor industry expert bubba draper we'd love to have you on um, maybe sometime after the holidays uh thank you for That's coming on perfect. the hammer and nigel show uh it's been truly fascinating appreciate it Thank you guys so much. I appreciate Nigel and Brian. You guys have a great rest of your day. Great holiday. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Nigel. Uh, Brian Baker filling in for Hammer. A big question we're all going to have to come to terms with and start asking ourselves is, does anyone really care what's in Trump's tax returns? We'll we'll get to that after 4 o'clock. Real quick, I wanted to mention that, uh, you know, I think the word oppression is thrown around a little too loosely in this country. 
Brian, uh, um, this this news out of North Korea. North Korea bans fun, alcohol, and birthdays for a week, <laughs> with spies sent out spot anyone actually cheering during their week long mourning for Kim Jong Il, who died twenty eleven. So they've got like a week long mourning uh-huh. of the great leader, their dear leader Kim Jong Il. So literally, they've banned fun. In North Korea, <laughs> well, a necessary uh, uh, ban too, Nige. Because I don't know about you, but when I think about North Korea, I definitely <laughs> think nonstop party town. Everybody having a great time, nice yeah. club music piped throughout the uh, throughout the country. Every night is ladies' night. You know, right. you, ladies, you listen, looking to uh, to book your next bachelorette party. Yeah, book for North Korea. That's your place. Make I, sure you book early. I said it, it before. I said it before. Everybody's clamoring to get in the United States. I don't know one person on the face of this planet that's looking to illegally <laughs> cross into North Korean borders. So this no. uh, one anonymous resident is saying you must never drink alcohol or engage in entertainment such as singing or drinking during periods of commemoration. Additionally, people are supposed to tone down or avoid key life events such as wedding <laughs> or funerals so while you're not allowed to All mourn right. your own family's passing in north korea you damn well sure look better look like you're you're mourning the passing of their dear leader kim johnny ill all right, so uh, keep the body on ice and for like the next, uh, what, it's seven days, right? It's a week, is that right, or a week or ten days? They're banning fun. I'm They're missing. banning fun for 11 days. Yeah. 11 days. Okay. All right, All right. Us, well, coming up after 4 o'clock, yeah, we'll get into what's going on with Trump's tax returns. Uh, some people really want to see them. They want to see what's going on. And I guess my thing is I really could care less. Uh, more on that in just a few minutes, 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock Hello, my name is Nigel. Brian Baker is filling in for Jason Hammer. Does anyone really care about Trump's taxes? What's in his tax returns? The Democrats are on the uh, committee in the House. They're going to vote to probably release tax return information on the Don for the years of 2015 to 2020 brian baker they've been trying to nail this guy on everything for years whether it's russian collusion or a conversation with ukraine or writing checks to stormy daniels or documents uh hidden away at mar-a-lago and it just never seems to work out are you concerned with donald trump's taxes from the years that he was in office I'll tell you, Nigel, I think I'm more concerned with what's in President Biden's medical records than I am yeah. with Trump's tax returns. No kidding. Primarily because, listen, man, I, you know, I already knew what was in 
Trump's tax returns. I didn't know the specifics, but I knew there was going to be something there that nobody wanted to see. And I knew it before the man was elected the first time. When the guy was given that line about, ah, we're going through an audit, but once the audit is our, look, we all knew there was something funny in there. But the only thing that matters is whether he broke the law or not. Because as long as his accountants followed the law and followed tax law, it ain't Trump's fault. It's your elected leader's fault. Okay. Let me play a little clip for you real quick. Dave Chappelle touched on this a couple of weeks ago when he was on Saturday Night Live. And we're going to play the number two clip, uh, James. This is Dave Chappelle talking about Trump and his taxes. If you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that... My friends, a star was born. <laughs> no one had ever seen anything like that. No one had ever seen somebody come from inside of that house, outside, and tell all the commoners, we are doing everything that you think we are doing <laughs> inside of that house. They just went right back in the house and started playing the game again. <laughs> so Hillary Clinton's like, show your taxes. And he's like, well, you first. I mean, these are your rules. So the New York yeah. Times has reported that Trump only paid like $750 dollars in federal income tax in 2016 that he'd paid no income tax at all in 10 of the previous 15 years because he reported losing so much money uh than he made it just it harkens back to when rachel maddow uh had this big tease for days and days uh trump's taxes i've got them right here and she was holding up this thing and then it gets to the episode airs and she's got like a single copy of his 1040s from 92 right it was such a letdown, <laughs> and, um, and 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 so there you have it. You're so right. I mean, the accountants and the IRS, they would have called. It's Donald Trump for God's sake. If Trump is trying to get over on somebody illegally, the IRS sure as hell is going to notice. Well, yeah, and he's getting audited every year, so you yeah. know that there's probably nothing there that's illegal. But you know. I, I, I don't know about you, Nige. I mean, and just please hear me out on this, mm-hmm. all right, before you start sending emails to David Wood and <laughs> get this liberal off the air. As someone who voted for Donald Trump and then voted for him again, I am so damn angry at Donald Trump and how he has handled himself in the final days of his presidency, but also since he got out of office. Because, you know, I was driving yesterday and, and it occurs to me, Nige. We actually sent this man to Washington, D.C. We gave him the privilege of serving as the president of the United States. That is a privileged position. We entrusted him with that. And, you know, you could make an argument that he was legitimately one of the best presidents that we have ever had when you look at his policies. But I think we all hoped that Donald Trump would raise his character to the level of the office, that he would stop engaging in the pettiness and the fights on Twitter and getting down in the muck with people. And I know we all, eh, he was, Trump's a counterpuncher. You know how you deal with trolls? You don't engage them. Donald Trump could have secured re-election if he had just behaved as an adult instead of getting drawn and pulled down into the crap, man. If he would just said to these reporters and people like Jim Acosta, when they would bring up these petty bullcrap things in, in press conferences, he could have just simply said, 
You know what, Jim? That has absolutely nothing to do with what we are focused on here in Washington, D.C., which is getting our country back on track and doing what is right for the American people. And for you to distract with this kind of pettiness is despicable. And if you can't get with the program and you can't keep your mind focused on what we should all be looking towards, which is how are we going to rebuild our country and make ourselves stronger and be a country that is for all people, regardless of your political affiliation, then get the hell out and don't come back. The man could have handled things so much better. And now, not only was he divisive when he was serving in office, but now he is serving to be divisive within the Republican Party. And folks are fighting with each other, and there's this split now, and we can't come together to get behind a single candidate. And it's disgusting how he has continued to put himself ahead of the country and ahead of the people that he was sent to Washington to serve. The man needs to sit down and stop engaging in this kind of rhetoric and this kind of crap and splitting the party up. He should be working to try and bring us together, but he won't do that because he puts himself ahead of the American people and ahead of the country. His ego comes first. And I'm sorry, I know that's hard for some people to hear and they're just hitting their steering wheels right now. But if you can't listen to that and you can't take an analytical view at this and go, listen, we have greater things to accomplish. We need to start winning elections. We need to get quality people into office who will stand for Trump policy policies and get those through without becoming a liability to the Republican Party. If you can't get behind that, then you are part of the problem. Ladies and gentlemen, time for an update on COVID-19. COVID-19. Oh, I swear that I mean at this moment. There are three vaccines. Come on, Brian. China piss off. Now you've made a work off. We're all nervous. Because of COVID-19. You've, you've had a couple rounds of uh, the vid, haven't you, yeah. Brian? Yeah. Yeah, it cost me a lot of work in the uh, month of December, man. I uh, Really? Just, oh, you're, uh, just, you're just yeah. getting over another one, huh? Yeah, yeah, my second bout, which really like, knocked me on my butt, man. I'm telling you, the first round, I was like up and running in a couple of days. This one really took me down hard, man. But wait a minute. I thought because of what you do and because you're in the movie industry and yeah. you're a stunt driver that you had to take all the updated boosters and the bivalence or whatever they're called. Nigel, I have had so many boosters. I mean, they, they can't even find a vein anymore. They're, they're shooting them up between my toes at this point, man. And find yet, a vein and, and, like it's heroin. <laughs> we're, we're wearing masks. They had us wearing masks in cars by ourselves oh, in between yeah, shots. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how careful they are. And yeah, I still got it. Everyone's going to get it eventually. And it took me out for 10 days. And yeah, it cost me a lot of work, man. See, I mean, that, I was really it, angry about it, it. It's strange because you're all boosted up it's not it's supposed to mitigate the uh, disease i thought and you're still telling me that it took you out for uh two weeks that's uh, very well, yeah. strange to me well this latest variant you know it's uh, none of the vaccines actually or the boosters oh, well, uh, okay. work to prevent it you know it's, it's, listen it's, it's just a uh, roll the dice it's a craps game it's endemic it's something we're going to be dealing with for the rest of our lives i will say though because i lost so much work in december now i'm paranoid now i'm the guy driving down the road with a mask on <laughs> in the truck by myself that's me i love it um the reason i bring this up is because a former cdc director uh, Robert Redfield 
somebody's finally uh, throwing Fauci under the bus uh, when it comes oh, to where COVID came from, the Wuhan lab that Fauci funded through the NIH and funneling money through EcoHealth Alliance. And this guy left the Fox News host uh, stunned. Here's Robert Redfield, former <laughs> CDC director. I, I stand with my hypothesis that the nature of this virus is not consistent with uh, spillover evolution, that this virus clearly had to be adapted for human-to-human transmission. And I do believe that that occurred in the laboratory. And ultimately, I think the evidence points to the Wuhan Institute of Virology as the primary source of this virus. Again, file that under something we already knew. Now, um, as you said, COVID's floating around out there. I've been to a few holiday parties. I've been to many holiday parties over the past month. I think I've either been lucky enough to avoid it or I've already had it and I've got uh, some natural immunity. I did take the flu shot. Um, you don't double dip, uh, but, but, do you, when no. you go to these parties? <laughs> no, I don't double dip. Oh, God, I no, hate that so much. Just, uh, just with the booze, not, not with the okay. chips. But, uh, <laughs> you know, with COVID out there and the flu and all these respiratory infections have been going around, here is a Hammer and Nigel holiday tribute. Baby, there's COVID outside. I gotta go. Baby, there's COVID outside. Yeah. Has been I'm really shocked you dropped in. Night I love. Can't hold your hands. You don't have gloves. Not unless you're wearing a mask. It could be your time. Use this disinfectant wipe. Just a half a drink. Maybe I should show you the door. What's in this tree? I may have put bleach in there. You've got a vaccine. We need to quarantine. The ducks are small. We need to stay six feet apart. No, 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 we sir. We start a super spreader. You're being what if you're asymptomatic? I just want to stay. The TV is all out. Uh, Baby, it's COVID. Nigel Tribute, baby. It's COVID outside. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Some of my favorite Is This Anything stories from the past year. Brian Baker is filling in for Hammer. Shall I begin, sir? Please do. A Florida police officer who doesn't know how to swim put her life on the line. This is actually a serious one. Check out this audio, Brian. This Florida police officer doesn't know how to swim, put her life on the line, jumped into a retention pond to grab a drowning baby, pulled a kid onto the land, gave it CPR. Here's some of the body cam audio and then uh, of the officer saving the kid's life. Oh, my God. I'm getting him. I'm getting him. I'm getting him. I'm getting him. 
Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Boy, I, I I remember when I first played that audio. The first thing I thought of was, you know, thank God the kid's all right and his officer put her life on the line. But how can you be a police officer, especially in Florida, Brian, and not know how to swim? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a prerequisite for you know on the job, you know, being on duty? Uh, well, I don't know, man. I mean, you would think so, but I mean, keep in mind, there's a whole lot of the the state and uh, the population that doesn't live any doesn't live near the ocean. You know, they're kind of like uh, right in the middle yeah. there. But still, I mean, I, I would think that, yeah, I mean, just as an officer with the number of things that you would encounter that, yeah, that would be a prerequisite. But on the other hand, consider what uh, we experienced during the summer of love. I'm not sure, but I'm guessing they've probably <laughs> lowered the standards. They just need bodies at this point. Absolutely, they do. They uh, recruiting for IMPD has been a problem. They're a hundred or so short, maybe even more than that. Um, now, on the lighter side of law enforcement, a New Hampshire man. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the best. Said his car was stolen while he was warming it up. The keys and the ignition, and nobody's inside the vehicle. <laughs> but here is this guy's name's Mike. He's explaining what happened and how his efforts to get his vehicle back. And all of a sudden, I hear a click, and I look outside, and my car's gone. It's just gone. I've been contacting the cops every few hours to see if there's any updates, <laughs> and there just hasn't been any Shut updates because I just have to oh. wait. Now it's just a waiting game. I mean, I feel bad. The guy's car got stolen, but did you hear the part where he said, "Yeah, I've been calling the cops every couple." hours yeah. and yeah they don't have any leads yet you know uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure they really appreciate uh, <laughs> you being so actively engaged in the investigation sir this- you know I, I'm, I'm sorry i was just gonna say where i always am hoping that somebody's car will get stolen is when uh, it pulled to a gas station and there's always uh, somebody that that pulls their vehicle up there and they have the radio blasting with the window down and the cars running and they'll go inside you know and they're they're very rarely uh blasting a, a good jazz standard you know <laughs> you don't hear sinatra coming no. out of the speakers but i would like to see those vehicles stolen just to teach those folks a lesson but i i love how this guy Again, imagine the look on the police officer's face, like in the dispatch, just rolling their eyes like, <laughs> hey, it's this guy Mike again. Do we have any new leads uh-huh. on his uh, stolen car? It's like a, he went all Big Lebowski on the cops asking if they had any leads on the car. Are you going to find these guys or, you know, I mean, you got any promising uh, uh, leads or leads? Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll uh, just check with the boys down at the crime lab. They uh, got uh, four more detectives working on the case. The gun is working in shifts. <laughs> Lead. That's, that's, those are the cops in New Hampshire every time that guy calls up and asks about his stolen car. All right, one more here for you. One of my favorites yeah. from 2022. Uh, this viral trend where one person plays back in black on the guitar while someone else yeah. smashes them in the head with a frying pan to the beat. <laughs> now, uh, uh, to be clear, this person that's yeah. taking the beating is generally wearing some type of protective headgear. In this case, uh, if you could picture, it's a steel knight's helmet. And so here with that, Brian, here is here's the guy along with his pan-swinging girlfriend. She doesn't hold back. <laughs> That's what counts for content these days when we're talking about TikTok and social media.
And they're drawing a, a bigger annual salary than we are for posting right. that kind of crap. Listen, I just yeah. want to tell you all, a helmet does not mean that, uh, you know, you are, exactly. uh, your, your brain is accident proof, you know. It protects you. We got a lot of football players that found out the hard way that uh, the helmet doesn't do everything to protect you. Uh, Brian, you went on a pretty, uh, uh, what what word am I, tank tankerous rant tank is that the word impassioned impassioned rant um a mm. very very uh, passionate rant about donald trump and the splitting of the republican party i want to get your thoughts coming up tank t- tankerous cantankerous that's what i'm thinking of there we go cantankerous james knew it my producer <laughs> very cantankerous okay now spell rant. it uh, K or C, I don't know, one of the other. But, uh, but, but I, yeah. I, I want to know um, what your thoughts are on the January 6th uh, committee and whether or not this is going to have anything to do with Donald Trump possibly backing out of the 2024 election and the charges that have been recommended by this sham show committee. We'll get to that next on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Show. You were right, man. We should do this thing. On 93 WIBC. You know, you should go back and listen to the beginning of the hour. Uh, Brian Baker's filling in for Hammer. If you're somebody that voted for Donald Trump and likes his policies, but doesn't necessarily like, does not necessarily like the baggage that comes along with Donald Trump, especially as of late, uh, sort of dividing the Republican Party, Ron DeSanctimonious, things like that. You should go back and listen to that rant. But, Brian, I will say, uh, there's no denying that s- stuff has been made up about Trump. He has been raked over the coals by the establishment left and right from the, very, be- from the very beginning, from the FBI and the phony FISA warrants to spy on his campaign the Russian PP tape, Russian collusion, Ukrainian phone calls. Yeah. You remember that 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl? She looked at him, basically said he was an idiot for the because he believed the Hunter Biden laptop story, which turned out to be uh-huh. 100% true. Government agencies working in concert now, we know, with social media and Twitter to suppress, uh, to suppress stories that were unfavorable to Joe Biden in the 2020 election. This sham January 6th committee with no cross-examination, no representation of any kind for the other side. And I, I think I think you have to admit while yeah, the guy has its has its faults, why are why is the establishment left and right working so hard to get rid of this guy since 2015 since he went since he came down the escalator with uh, with his wife. Yep. 
Well, yeah, listen, I mean, I, I can understand early on why they wanted to get w- rid of him. They were trying to win an election, you know, and I, I think probably there were those in the Republican Party even who foresaw, you know, what what the consequences were going to be. I mean, I remember when Donald Trump was elected, I was happy, tears in my eyes, man. We were in California, of all places, and in a townhouse. And when the news officially came down, because you remember it went on forever and ever, there were cheers all throughout that complex that's california man Mm. so i I was excited about that but i think we all uh, anyone that takes time to just sort of contemplate and and see what the outcome of things are, are going to be we knew there was going to be a price to be paid for donald trump's election we just didn't know exactly what it was going to be now we're seeing some of the effects of that but absolutely this january 6th trial is a complete sham it's an embarrassment it's a waste of money and it's despicable and ultimately what is the point? Because Donald Trump, regardless of what happens with this this January, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm sorry. Just, I, the point, real quick, is to stop him from becoming president, to get him not yeah, but to run. The thing. But he's never going to run again, Nigel. It, regardless of the outcome of the January 6th proceedings, regardless of his tax returns, any of the other crap that they try and throw at him, the man is never going to run for office again. Because deep down in his heart, the mm. man will never subject himself to the humiliation of losing an election again because his ego can't take it. And in his heart, he knows what happened in this last election. Yeah, they suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. That had an impact on the election, it probably would have gone the other way. Democrats got out there and we had the mail-in voting. That had a huge impact on the election and it could have gone the other way. But ultimately, in his heart, the man knows that he did legitimately lose that election and now he has even less support than he did going in for re-election. So there's no way that he will stand up there and and do it again because he just can't take the hit to his ego. So the... um Election denier Representative Jamie Raskin, who's a Democrat out of Maryland, announced Mm -hmm. yesterday that the January 6th committee is going to refer Trump for criminal investigation by the Department of Justice, which which I mean, the recommendation holds no legal weight whatsoever. Uh, Charges like conspiracy, obstruction, inciting a riot, Um, whether this stops him from from actually continuing to run for president in 2024. I don't know. It's not stopped him yet. Um, here, but 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 here's the thing: with these stupid charges, go back to 2017. Here's that weasel Raskin I just mentioned doing the same mm-hmm. thing. He and the rest of the committee are trying to prosecute Trump for in 2017, denying and objecting to the certification of election results. Uh, I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified because they violated Florida's prohibition against dual office holding. Debate is out of order. Section 15 and 17 of the Title III of the United States Code require that any objection be presented in writing, signed by both members of the House of of Representatives and a senator. Is the objection in writing and signed not only by the member of the House of Representatives, but also by a senator? It is in writing, Mr. President. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Then Raskin, by the way, did the same thing in the early 2000s with, with, with George Bush. 
So, uh, so my point is these people, it's always these people that are on their soapbox yelling at you and wagging their finger. They are always guilty of the same kind of thing. I could run 10-minute clip montages of Democrats denying yeah. the 2016 election, saying Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. This, this president. Uh, Hillary Clinton say, uh, uh, sell, telling Biden that he should never concede, no matter what the outcome of the 2020 election would be. And it's it's, well, it's, it's infuriating. Just, it's, it's the hypocrisy is overflowing. Well, we have a severe lack of integrity in our elected officials that we send to Washington. But ultimately, that's really our fault because how much of of elections? I mean, I I understand that there's money involved and and that plays a, a huge role in it. But you know, so much of it is marketing and whether somebody is likable. And we've had so many qualified candidates over the years that would have been tremendous in Washington D.C. and would have done great things for our country. But it ultimately came down to a popularity contest. And ultimately, that is why we're in the situation that we're in today. And neither party is, uh, you know, wearing the white hat here. They're both filthy and disgusting and have gotten us to this point where we are dealing with huge snowball issues that it is going to take an eternity for us to try and, and get this turned around. And it probably will never happen. It'll just continue to pull us deeper and deeper down. I mean, Mike, look at how different the country is today versus what you and I grew up in. And you're right. Oh, there's yeah. no integrity. They just tow the, the party line and whatever, uh, you know, the talking points and and uh, the, the, the general stances of the day. That's what they're behind, even if it is a complete 180 from what they stood for 15, 20 years ago. It's gross, but most people don't pay attention. Most people just care about whether their team is uh, you know, uh, winning uh, the elections, and that's what it comes down to for them. They don't have an understanding of the issues. They don't understand policy. They don't understand what the impact is going to be on them on their children, on their grandchildren, none of that. They get caught up in petty issues, stuff that's easy to understand and debate like abortion, and then they never bother to understand anything about economics or business or or, or international policy because eh, that's just too hard and it's not sexy and it's not something that you can put in a tweet. Two men from Wisconsin and North Carolina have been charged with hacking into, and this is scary for me, because I, I use this technology. Two, two dudes, two different states hacked into Ring home security cameras across the country mm -hmm. in a series of swatting schemes to live stream the police responses to the bogus emergency. So swatting is a form of reta retaliation, right? Which someone makes a false uh -huh. report. And so that false report, to, you know, that'll send police and first responders, including SWAT teams, to someone's address. So these a-holes place calls to... <laughs> to California <laughs> and several other places, um, supposedly from the victim's house, they posed as a child reporting that their parents were drinking and shooting weapons inside oh. the home. And prosecutors say they've done this in several different states. Are you a big believer in the ring doorbell, or does this kind of scare you off that these that, that, that guys like these are doing this for, looks like, pretty much no other reason than just to, you know, get their rocks off, basically? 
Yeah, no, I, I want a a, a closed, hardwired uh, security system. I don't want anything out there that somebody can hack into. I don't want cameras in my house. I just there's too many things that can go wrong. And by the way, I just found out. I mean, l- listen, th- it's amazing technology. And I mean, the the brand Ring they post videos all the time that just I mean, yeah. break your yeah, heart and but in in a good way inspire you. Um, so. Certainly, the technology has its place, and it's got some benefits. I'm just afraid of it. But I recently found out, Nige, that uh, the the maker, the inventor of the ring doorbell, yeah. is married to a girl that I went to uh, to middle school with. And uh, uh, let me tell up. you, when you're in the when you're in the midst of a a career transition, you don't have a, a regular steady gig. There's nothing like finding out that somebody <laughs> you went to school with who wasn't very nice to you is a multimillionaire. <laughs> yes, sir, that feels good. The voice, the upper register, I can hear it getting higher and higher. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with. Okay, I want to calm everybody down here because Brian's got a feel good Christmas story that's going to make everybody yes. tear up and pull the heartstrings, and we'll get to that next here on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. My name is Nigel. Brian Baker is filling in for Hammer coming up after 5 o'clock. Inflation has the potential to skyrocket, according to some analysts. We'll get into that after 5. Brian uh, hit me with this uh, Christmas feel-good story. And uh, I'm, uh, you know what, the floor is yours. We need some of that because there's been a lot of ranting and raging on both of our parts for this uh, show, which makes for good radio for sure. Well, it does, but you know, and and maybe it's just the season of life that I'm in right now, Nige. But you know, one thing that I really appreciate, and one thing I try and be really conscious of, is. When you're out and about, you know, you go to like a gas station or a food service place and there's people that work there and they make an hourly wage and generally, yeah. you know, it's it's not real good. And so I, I really try and be conscious of that and and treat those people with respect and smile and engage them in conversation and, and just, you know, be a decent person to them because a lot of folks really aren't, you know. So as a result, I mean, we, we've kind of developed friendships with some of the people that work in these restaurants down here in, in Peachtree City. We got this place that we go to called Zoe's. And my daughter is like a celebrity there, right? And so we go there regularly, and they have a phenomenal staff. I mean, I I don't know. Like, they put Chick-fil-A to shame. The staff is so great and so friendly and so efficient. They're amazing. Well, Zoe's was recently bought by a company called Kava, and they're going to be closing down this Zoe's. They're going to change it into a Kava. And in the process— they're letting all of these people go. Oh, no. Now they can interview for their old jobs, but they have to start at a lower wage. They don't get any of the benefits that they've worked years and years to, to build up. So many of them are leaving and they keep delaying when they're gonna close it. So as a result, um, you know, th- these folks stay even though they know they're gonna be out of a job. There's a girl there, young young kid, she's, um, I don't know, she's gotta be in her early 20s and she's got a child of her own, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. 
And my daughter's in there one night, and we we had been to Steak and Shake the night before and lost big on the skill crane machine. And I'm trying to get oh. my daughter one of those little squish mellow things. And my daughter was just telling the story very animated. I mean, she boy, she was pissed. And so <laughs> she's six six years old. She's kicking the machine. So we're really telling this story, right? Okay. Yeah, I get a uh, I, I get a message uh, on Yelp of all places uh, from this girl who works there. We go in last night, and this kid came out and gave my daughter a squishmallow that she had bought with her own paycheck. Oh, wow. And she tells us the story. She goes, you know, I, I just, I, I love you guys. I love all my customers and appreciate you. Know, I had to wait until I got my next check so that I could get, go and buy, but I wanted to get Sarah this, this Squishmallow. That's and awesome. I just thought, you know, it, yeah, like, and it, it goes to my theory that a lot of times it's the people that have the least to give that are the most generous yep. of heart. Dude, you should have been given I, to I, them. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, right, it got just, about 10 you know, seconds here, Brian. Easy. Yeah, it, it just, uh, you know, it, it touched my heart, man. Awesome I mean, story. it's just amazing. Awesome Good story. Love your daughter, too. She's a doll. She's a sweetheart for <laughs> sure. Uh, we'll be back uh, after 5 o'clock here at 93 WIBC. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Brian Baker is filling in for Jason Hammer. I don't know what to think about inflation, man. Like, I'm watching 60 Minutes the other day. I swear to God, Brian, I I swore off 60 Minutes when they did that hit piece on DeSantis, the pay-for-play with the... uh, with the uh, with the jabs with the vaccines and publics that was uh-huh. all such a load of bs for some reason i turned it on the other day and janet yellen who's a ball of fun just a big <laughs> big bundle of energy the energy Party uh, gal. the yeah the treasury secretary janet yellen saying hey you know what actually inflation's going to be much lower by the end of 2023 the stuff i have in front of me here says that inflation has a potential to skyrocket um, 70% chance for a recession in 2023. Uh, you're a guy that's worked in this industry. You worked in um, uh, financial broadcasting for a number of years. Yeah. Where, where are we landing here with inflation and a possible recession? Well, I, I think it's uh, Janet Yellen saying, actually, in, inflation is going to be coming down. What she doesn't say in that interview is that that's because we'll be in a recession. <laughs> you know, gas prices coming down, prices dropping. It's because there's this huge drop in demand and consumers are scared to death about what's coming down the down the road here in 2023. And what's really frightening, Nige, is... You know, the Federal Reserve, they have hiked rates. I think we're up about four and a half percent when you total all of the uh, the rate hikes that they've they've had. And they're not done yet. I mean, Jerome Powell has hinted that in the first of uh, next year, they're going to continue to move in this direction to try and get inflation under control. But but does it, let me ask that, you that. Let me ask. So, so they they are trying to um, lower inflation, like the jobs report a couple of months ago. Everybody was dosy doing and grabbing their asses and yeah. high five and saying, "Oh, it was jobs mm-hmm. report. They beat all our expectations." And I'm saying beating expectations could be a bad thing in this case because the Fed again will hike interest rates and they're trying to slow down the economy to lower the inflation. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons they've been able to continue to go down this path with hiking rates is because the job market, it's been pretty resilient, but it's not going to stay that way. And one of the consequences of trying to bring the economy uh, down to a crawl here and get things under control is going to be that a lot of folks are going to lose their jobs and it's going to be tough in 2023. And so President Biden getting out there doing these victory laps, which is all he does on Twitter. And I don't know if you're aware this or not, Nigel, but I I follow the president on Twitter and sometimes. (laughs) I I have one or two things to say to him, or I follow the people who pretend to be uh, (laughs) President Biden on Trump or on on Twitter. Uh, The other day, the man used an emoji, but he's doing uh, victory (laughs) laps about how inflation is coming down. And he's got all these plans in the works. You know, my favorite one yesterday was he was talking about this factory they're building. And by the way, he says, you know, these jobs are going to pay one hundred and twenty five grand a year. And I thought, yeah, what he doesn't tell you is by the time that factory is built, one hundred and twenty five grand a year will be an average salary salary will be like 50 grand in today's dollars thanks president biden oh jeez yeah it, i i do think that it's going to be tough and you know i don't know exactly how it washes out because traditionally what happens when the economy slows is that the government would increase spending and the federal reserve would cut rates but they're not going to do that you know i think they're they're looking at the labor market and going okay we may just have to sacrifice some jobs here in order to get things under control on the inflation side. So it's going to be rough, man. And some things, I don't know how they're going to ever bring the costs down because, you know, listen, traditionally, like when rates go up and mortgage rates go up and housing prices generally fall, but we've still got a housing shortage. So that's going to be a problem where you've got all of these these young buyers out there that that want to get homes, but I don't know how they're going to do that. Plus, you have these corporations that are buying up single family homes and renting them. So that further, you know, uh, strangles the uh, the supply it's not a good situation we're in so you so you disagree when the treasury secretary yellen goes on stephen colbert could you imagine being a late night talk show host and Uh, and and having having the treasury secretary on what does this guy become (laughs) but anyway she goes on to basically say what she said in 60 minutes is that you know she's got an optimistic tone concerning inflation and a cool down in 2023 and she also said that a recession is not required to get prices back under control and that's Uh, doesn't it doesn't really seem like that's the way you see things no, I, I see us more likely in a stagflation Ooh, scenario. But God, let's also worse. not forget that Janet Yellen is the gal who said that inflation was going to be transitory. Yeah, now, she tells the the party yeah. line. So yeah, this is this is not uh, you know the, some uh, great uh, you know seer into the future. You well, know? Could you imagine getting tickets to Stephen Colbert and you don't know who's going to be the guest that night? Oh, is it going to be Chris <laughs> Pratt? Is it going to be Dave Matthews, the musical guest? Please, everybody, welcome. Treasury Secretary Yellen. But see, look at that, man. I mean, it shows you why late night TV, one of the reasons why it sucks, because they're doing the bidding of the Biden administration, man. You think Johnny Carson would have had somebody as boring as Janet Yellen? He wouldn't have had anybody. Nobody knew what Johnny Carson's politics were. No, no. But it just goes to show you, you know, she's going to be a lousy guest and is going to be terrible. But the Biden administration has got to get her out there, you know, and making the rounds and trying to reach their voting uh, demographic. And so, all right, well, we'll get her booked on Colbert. It's gross the way they just work hand in glove with these people. It's not. I mean, like Colbert is a guy that can engage and that can make his guests funny. But I don't see you can't make the Treasury secretary funny. 
You can't do She's it. She's not going to be the watch gal it. at the party who has the lampshade on her yeah. head. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, speaking of Johnny Carson, though, just a side note that made me think of one of the one of the best documentaries I've ever seen concerning late night television was um, Johnny Carson, King of Late Night, and I don't know if it's on netflix right now or might be on amazon prime right now but if you are even just a little bit of a fan of johnny cars then it takes him it takes you through the whole story of how um you know his whole the whole lineage uh, and timeline of his career it's absolutely yeah. fascinating he was an amazing talent. I mean, I was, yeah. for, you know, I, I remember watching Johnny Carson uh, when I was young. You know, my parents would watch him. And then I, I remember, you know, the late night wars it, and when Carson retired and all yeah. of that happening. There was massive levels of talent in late night television back then. Now, I mean, I don't even know if they're able to generate much of a profit no, no, at all because no, no, no one watches it. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon's having to apologize for tussling President Trump's hair all those years ago. <laughs> For making, for humanizing. Remember when that weenie did that? He had him on during the campaign or before he was elected president and said, is that your real hair? And then tussled his hair and then wound up having to apologize to the woke Twitter mob for humanizing the president of the United States. That's where we're at now with these idiots. I know it's sick, man. I it, really the last really good late night host that I liked was, believe it or not, Conan O'Brien, who came on the air and was so terrible oh, when he first launched yeah. in '93. Man, but he was—I yeah, mean, he was legitimately Letterman's successor. He did amazing stuff, and actually, when he went over to TBS, gosh, man, that guy was great with yeah. doing remotes. So smart and so funny. And after that, man, I mean, that was the end. They just kept plugging in guys that used to be on Saturday Night live and figuring all right well this is going to work out okay well clearly not jimmy <laughs> fallon is no great no. talent man he's no johnny carson that's for sure life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Uh, Brian Baker's filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. Uh, you know how there's been a just just like a line of Hollywood directors and writers and producers that have had to apologize lately for their past. Like uh, like the guy that uh, wrote Friends, the creators of Friends are embarrassed oh, because yes. not enough diversity. Uh, the guy that directed uh, what's the Christmas movie um Love Actually, he's ashamed. Uh, he's so ashamed that there wasn't a more diverse uh, cast. But I don't remember him giving, you know, I don't remember him giving the money back or anything. No, I mean, there's, no. So there's been so many. Oh, there was a story uh, this week about how the uh, director of the movie Whale with Brendan Fraser. You, yeah. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, it's amazing. A, a Darren Aronofsky. Ar Aronofsky, is that his, his name, the director? Well, he's uh -huh. fat phobic because Brendan Fraser is uh, in a fat suit. Oh, God. And the yeah. mob 
I, I don't know. Maybe the mob wanted a real obese person as the one that could act in a fat suit. I don't know. <laughs> so in the yeah, latest, expensive now. You have to hire an obese actor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's I mean that's truly I mean you can't act or you, you you definitely can't hire a straight actor to play a gay character. No, no, no. way. Are you kidding? That's you'll get canceled in a heartbeat. So, uh the latest in a long line of Hollywood directors to apologize, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Not because of the lack of diversity in it's, his hit movie Jaws. Not for 1941. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's funny. Anybody that's familiar with uh, the works of uh, Steven Spielberg knows that that was not his best, not no. his best movie. He's apologizing for the decimation of the shark population because of Jaws. Quote. Listen to this quote. I truly, and to this day, regret the decimation of the shark population because of the book and the film. That's one of the things I still fear, that sharks are somehow mad at me for feeding <laughs> the feeding frenzy of crazy sport fishermen <laughs> that happened after 1975. He oh, actually okay. said, I'm, I'm sorry to the sharks. Please oh, don't be mad at me. <laughs> I mean, I holy God Almighty! Hold a grudge yeah. of any sort. Gee, now, uh, look, and the author, uh, the author of the book, is pretty much at the same spot. I think back in 2015, he agrees with Spielberg that the popularity of that franchise had a devastating effect on the shark population. Quote: Knowing what I know now, I could never write that book today. That's what the uh, the author said in 2015 to the BBC. Um, well. As you said, put your money where your mouth is. Give yeah. back the cash. You but, know, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Spielberg movies anyway. I mean, I, you know, everyone just fawns mm. all over him as a director. I, and maybe it's because I know too much about him behind the scenes. But I, I just, I mean, he's got a couple of films that he did that are classics. You know, E.T. obviously being one of them that I, I loved as a kid. Although as an adult, I watch it and think this is some boring crap, man. You know, it did not age well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I don't rush out to see Spielberg movies. Well, well, I, I liked see there's been a couple that I, I liked the Bridge of Spies. Uh, I really liked the post. Um mm -hmm. I kinda wanna see the Fablemans. Um but before that, like Munich was a killer movie. Munich yeah. was awesome. Um and I'm not I'm not even what? saying some of the bigger name movies here. I'm, I'm doing ones that are kinda under the radar for him. But well, he's getting ready to redo uh, the the movie Bullet too. Did you ever see it, the Steve McQueen classic with the big no. car chase in it? No. Yeah, they're going to do a, a reboot of Bullet now. Uh, I guess uh, Bradley Cooper's going to play McQueen. The West Side Story was a bomb. I think they changed oh, up yeah. some things in there, having to do with uh, woke Hollywood. Uh, let's see what else. I mean, you know, they well, can go on and on and on and on. And on. You remember E.T.? There was a controversy a couple of years ago because he took out the guns that uh, the uh, military and the police uh, were no. holding in certain scenes. Yes, he took the guns out of the no. scenes. Oh, yes. I've never heard that. <laughs> yes, look it up. Uh, I swear to God, okay. it's true. Okay. Well, I mean, in the Indiana Jones, the first, you know, the first three movies were were excellent. So I, I just, I mean, I'm a hard eye roll. To the apology to the sharks. I'm sorry to the sharks. 
Please don't be mad at me. And by the way, I'm reading about this here. The link between the film's popularity and the decline of the shark population over the past uh, the last few decades is not widely agreed upon. Let's put it that way, according to a shark expert who said that pinpointing the blame on Jaws would be giving the film a tad too much credit. So let's everybody, let's calm the narcissism here just a little bit. It's not all about you. It's not because of Jaws. I used to be afraid of sharks from Jaws 1 and 2. And then I saw Jaws 3. That fixed it for me. (laughs) Um, Jaws in 3D. um, Harvey Weinstein, as let's stay in Hollywood here, guilty of uh, assault. Uh, in L.A. after just uh, after this month-long trial, nine days of deliberations. He's already been found guilty for the same kind of thing in New York. He's now in L.A. Um, so so he's basically two years into a 23-year sentence and could get up to 24 more years in prison in California. The guy's a complete Good. scumbag. Um, yeah, total scumbag. And But so is everyone who, who just did his bidding for years and covered up for him. Oh, uh, I sure. mean, how many... You know, but hey, he was, you know, he he could control careers. And so everyone kind of stayed quiet. And then now, you know, they're they're having to backtrack quite a bit. They all knew he was scum. Seth MacFarlane made a joke about it on uh, during when he was hosting the uh, when he was hosting the Academy Awards. Like everybody knows, you know, they made a joke about it. Like it was all common knowledge about how creepy he was. Did I ever tell you that uh, my wife got cast in a Weinstein film? Uh, uh, it was going to no. be an animated film. She was one of the main uh, actors in the film, and she got the call, got the gig. And so, I mean, we were all celebrating. Then the next day, the writer wound up suing the Weinstein company, stopped oh. the, everything in its tracks. And then when they did the film, they had cast with celebrity voices. Damn. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. right there. This close. That to close. Get, this, that close to getting a hand up the thigh from Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> um, well, I hadn't thought of it that way. I guess I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Uh, uh, man, audiences uh, flock to the theaters to go see Avatar, The Way of the Water, the James Cameron movie. Any desire to uh, pay money to the, go see that in the theater, Brian? No, I hate that crap, man. I, anything that has all the, like, the special effects in it, like I just have zero interest. I think you take all that money you put into special effects, you could have actually bought a good script. Yeah, I don't know about the script. I mean, it's got a lot to live up to. $2 billion is what the uh, first one brought in. And director, you know, James Cameron said the film's so expensive that he's going to need to become in third or fourth highest grossing films of all time just to break even on that yeah. one, which, again, it'll it eventually need to make more than two bill. Yeah, he's another one of those who's just a real peach of a guy. James Cameron. James Cameron. Yeah. Man, uh-huh. Tell me some stories sometime. Coming up next, <laughs> the real deal at the border. What you need to know. What is going on right now? What the media is and isn't telling you. How is this going to play out? What does Biden, does he really want to happen? What is going on there right now? We'll talk to her name's Raven Harrison. She's a Texas born political strategist, former congressional candidate. We'll get the exact lowdown on what is happening at the border. That's next, right after the news. My name is Nigel. Hammer is out. Brian Baker is uh, filling in. Title 42 is the pandemic era protocol that has prevented millions of migrants from entering the U.S. to claim asylum. 
Looks like it's been delayed after the Supreme Court justice has kind of put a stay on that thing here temporarily. Don't know how long that's going to last. The end of Title 42 expected to lead to tens of thousands of border crossings a day. We're going to go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Raven Harrison. She's a Texas-born political strategist, former congressional candidate. Raven, how are you today? I am doing great. Glad to be here, Nigel. Thank you. Tell me what it looks like uh, for Texas and for the country if uh, Title 42 ends as it's supposed to tomorrow. It's going to look like an apocalypse. It already does. As a person who's in Texas, I can see the result of the border being open right now and then flooding across. El Paso two weeks ago declared a state of emergency. We are going to see an unprecedented run on this border. It is truly an invasion. So we are declaring emergencies in El Paso. New York is actually declared an emergency as well. You know, we have to to get involved. I tell people now is the time. If you have not been in contact with your legislators, now is the time. 19 states, including uh, Texas, have stepped up and, and warned We have got to keep whatever we can to secure that border. Take me to El Paso specifically. I have been seeing some just absolutely disturbing footage on a humanitarian level. I mean, I know yes. I know people are crossing yes. illegally, and I know um, their conditions are bad, but, but, but how bad are they? I've seen, you know, thousands packed into warehouses that are only able to fill a couple of hundred. What, what is it like in El Paso, just as an example? It's... It's El Paso, which I've been to, and the ones on Del Rio and Eagle Pass are horrific. When I say horrific, I mean the ones who aren't coming across with brand-new cell phones and tennis shoes Mm. are drowning in the river. Um, The tent cities that are forming around um, the borders, are they, they, they smell. The refrigerators are out to capacity of people dying, drowning, um, being killed they are destroying property as they're going it's like locusts moving across the rancher's property uh destroying property as it goes they're just flooding in by the hundreds we saw 950 in one day in el paso and they are just dps is overwhelmed they're demoralized they're flooding right into the interior of our country and it is absolutely it is an emergency and and I got to tell you, the only winners here, I feel like, aren't the people that are, you know, somehow surviving and getting across and being trafficked. But the real, the real winners here are these murderous, vicious cartels that are facilitating all this. Right, because nobody is coming through those those that border illegally that has not come through indebted to the cartels, and that should frighten. Every American, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, because if they come into our country and they are owed, they're owing money to the cartels, then how do they intend to repay that? And little kids are coming through with these wristbands that indicate how much they are indebted to. And that is a scary proposition when our economy is already on life support, our infrastructure is overwhelmed. We are we are being crippled by this fentanyl. Is, is killing at a record place, and it's just walking across the border. Two confirmed cases of leprosy came through the border. It's 164 countries coming through the border. 
Raven Harrison out of Texas, um, political strategist, former congressional candidate. Um, tell me what you think of this clip I'm about to play for you. I don't know if you heard this yesterday. Sure. This is Martha Raddatz, ABC, talking to Governor Abbott, somehow blaming Republicans for what's going on at the border. Here, listen to this. The border wall, you talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it are you our former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis, that message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that... First of all, um, I, I think that's a blatant lie from Martha Raddatz. Biden originally... Biden said migrants should come during the 2019 Democratic presidential primary. And, and, then, and then Raven, basically, she's saying... I guess what I'm, I glean from that is Biden rolls out the red carpet for illegals. Republicans call him out on it. And now it's now the crisis at the border is the Republicans fault. This is the unprecedented amount of gaslighting yes. that the Democrats are doing. So everybody, anybody who has a match, here it is. What I'm going to tell you, though, it was actually Gavin Newsom is the one who said that this was a manufactured crisis about the border under yes. Trump. I'm old enough to remember that. But I tell people to remember is to stop letting them tell you what they say. The border is not secure. It's not closed. It is open. So, no, he has not come out there and said that, but he also hasn't completely said his name either. So there's that. The point is, is the border is not secure. They did welcome them. They said it was a basic human right for them to come here and sponge off of America's you know, and that's incorrect. So they are trying to spin this because it is horrific and they know it and it is of their doing. President Trump wanted the wall. They fought the wall. They, President Trump had a secure border. We do not have one anymore. So there is no blaming Trump for this. That's their favorite go-to. You know, everything is Trump's fault. You know, that tree fell over. It's Trump's fault. So at the end of the day, we need Americans to be a little bit smarter than this and stop allowing them to gaslight you. The, the border's not secure. And we in Texas feel it hardest and first. What does Biden really want here? Why does he want this to happen? I mean, does he have any plan to avert this disaster? I mean, all the major news coverage um, that's happening right now, whether it be CNN, ABC, CBS, has all miraculously started to cover this crisis um, conveniently after the midterms. You wouldn't want to make Joe Biden and the Democrats look bad before the midterms. So what is the plan moving forward or is there a plan moving forward? Well, I can pretty much guarantee Joe Biden has a plan for a nap at some point. But other than that, as far as it relates (laughs) to the the business of the American people, there is no plan unless the teleprompter tells him there's one. The problem we have, Nigel, is this is, you know, remember when they said that the Hunter Biden's laptop was fake or disinformation? And I mean, so this is what they've been doing. And people are still, you know, letting their hatred of of Trump and other things get in the way of what they're actually seeing. Here's the bottom line is this is the plan. The plan to cripple our economy and overwhelm our resources is part of the plan. So it's too, too coordinated for it to be accidental. So we have to, and we have to be pushing back right now. If you haven't called your legislators today with title 5042 expiring at five, then that's part of the problem is we have to push back. Other states, 19 have stepped up and said, we can't allow this. The others need to fall on board. This is not a partisan issue. This is American safety. That's it.
And you mentioned uh, and you mentioned Raven. Excuse me. You mentioned other states. Every state in the country needs to be paying attention to this. Why it's is that? I mean, we're we're all border. in open borders. We're all border states yes. now. But you see how New York declared a state of emergency yes. quietly for the couple of thousands of migrants we've gotten. We've gotten at least nine million since Biden has been here, and he's declaring Martha's Vineyard went crazy over yeah. fifty. So what I'm and these are all people who are saying they are sanctuary cities, but then why are they asking for federal aid for rolling out the welcome mat? They said, Hey, we welcome them, we bring them. Well we sent them and now they're panicking. So that's what we need people to remember is this is her saying this is a Republican issue. It wasn't that long ago. It might have been a long time for Biden, but the rest of us remember that under Trump the border was secure. This is unprecedented and it will cripple our economy, which is already on life support. And uh, not to mention, if you could quickly comment before we, we let you go here, uh, we're with Raven Harrison, a, a political strategist out of Texas, the amount of gotaways that get through the Correct. border is deeply concerning. Can you explain what, what gotaways are real quick? The gotaways are for the 950 that, were, that turned themselves in to DPS. There are at least probably equal to that who got through while they were processing. We have limited stretch. The DPS is stretched to capacity. We only have something like 14 officers that cover 1,400 square miles on two-week rotations. So not for every day, for the total of two weeks. So what that means is we have more of them coming in. The ranchers who border in in border towns are having their properties destroyed. They're breaking in. They're damaging property on their way to their end result, which is the American taxpayer. And that's what the the impact economically to Texas is almost incalculable. Our schools are overrun. Our streets are overrun. Our infrastructure is crippled schools to capacity, resources to capacity, and many people are still trying to get through the record inflation and the stagnant jobs. And you're saying for people that are concerned, I don't care where you live in this country, call your legislators? You, you That's the number one thing. We're going to be putting the, the numbers on our website for people who, who don't have them handy at ravenharrison.com. We will post the numbers for the House for the Senate, but this is where you need to be making, it does work. One phone call, people will say, you know, what good will it do? I'll tell you what good it does. One phone call, Pelosi can ignore. 200, she cannot. So that's the difference, is make your voices heard, because communism is right here at our doorstep. And if you don't have the ability right now, not wanting to speak up is different than not being able to. Raven Harrison. RavenHarrison.com is where you can find out more information. I hope you'll call back uh, here soon with an update, yes. Raven. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, Nigel. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We'll be right back. We are just minutes away from IU pregame. They are in Bloomington tonight playing somebody called Elon. Some college James. What Did you say that was... In Phoenix, or was it's it in North Elon Phoenix? But they're from North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's their record? What's I believe their... it was two and nine. Okay. So we we need to <laughs> we need some redemption after after Kansas and Arizona. No question. Uh, my name is Nigel. Brian Baker has been filling in. Brian always does an awesome job. Um, are you worried? Like, did your kid? ever freak out when you took her to see santa because mine did i mean uh, 
there's still you know, a, there's still a little bit of that going on with my youngest. Now, you know, she was uh, timid. I mean, it, it, I remember one year she was actually hanging on to my wife's leg and kind of like leaning yeah. out almost at a 45 degree angle. But no, the only meltdown she had was with the Easter Bunny, uh, but it was short lived. <laughs> so we've been pretty lucky. Well, far. those Easter Bunny picks, those those come out around that time in the spring and they're creepier than Santa pictures. <laughs> the, the Easter Bunny pictures are just horrific. Yeah, well, listen, I've gone back through our uh, our family slides, man, and I've seen some stuff of my brothers and I going to see yeah. uh, the Easter Bunny. And, yeah, I'm like, good Lord, no wonder I was crying. This is, I mean, really, there was probably a serial killer under there. And uh, although I always had positive experiences going to see Santa, despite my brother trying to mess it up for me, he used to dare me to fart in Santa's lap. <laughs> I'm sure that, that wouldn't have been the first time. I, I'm sure, no. Look, if you're worried about your kid freaking out during a Santa visit, this place called Santa Land in Dallas uh, put out these tips to avoid full-blown meltdowns. And I think one of the most effective, and it makes sense, the most effective thing they've seen is to start talking about what they're going to get for Christmas. And oh. and, and when, But when you start saying that and, and, and the kid freaks out, Mm-hmm. And you say Santa's not going to give them what they want for Christmas if this behavior continues, if this meltdown continues, then Santa's <laughs> oh, the bad guy. Uh, Does that make sense? Santa's the bad guy now. So don't pull the old, hey, you know, check yourself, four year old, calm down, stop uh-huh. screaming. Santa's not the bad guy here. Just tell him what you want for Christmas. Yeah, I've never been a fan of using Santa as a manipulation <laughs> tactic to get the behavior you want out of your oh, child. Oh, I have. I'll tell oh, Santa. trust me. Oh, Santa, Santa's watching. <laughs> those two words have been ban- those have been thrown around in our house. Here's another one. Make sure your kids make sure your kids have a relationship with Santa prior to actually coming to go see Santa. Whether it's you know uh, seeing them on the movies or maybe just visiting them in a somewhere in a mall where you might see them like out in the open, that might help. These are all ways to avoid a meltdown with your young child and Santa. Yeah, here's another tip. Um, you know, if you're going to uh, one of these places like the Indiana State Museum to see Santa Claus, just check in advance and make sure that uh, that Santa, you know, if your kid has been raised on white Santa, that they don't have black <laughs> Santa that day, because that'll really screw things up and create a lot of questions. Well, I've what been are you talking that. about? There's diversity involved. Diversity <laughs> is good when we're talking about uh, Santa's helpers. Now, now I will say at the Children's Museum, here's what happened the kids kids would freak out so the so before we got it we were in line and before we got up to that couch santa would hide behind the couch and oh, so me and my wife and the kids would sit down on our laps and they yeah. would just the kids were oblivious they didn't think anything of it and as soon as they were ready santa would sneak up behind the couch with his finger over his mouth saying shh and they would snap the picture without our kids even knowing which i thought was kind of genius right well, it is but uh i mean th- then what happened what, well no he went back the down story, they, Paul Harvey. Th- th- there was no th- th- he went back down behind the couch 
Oh, and so the they were none. Wiser. Yes, they they didn't have oh, any idea what, what was going on. A, so that's what they did. What in the a magical Children's memory Museum. for them, then, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> At least it is for us. Look, some of the we greatest. Uh, all, I think some of the greatest Santa photos of all time are when your your kids are bawling and oh, freaking yeah. out. And Santa's just doing all he can to keep it together without tossing your your poop diaper filled <laughs> infant aside. You know Take the baby. Yeah, um, I uh, and and it's enjoyable when you get to witness one of those uh, in person, and it's somebody else's kid. Never fun when it's yours. Always fun when it's somebody else's. Hey Brian, got about a minute left here before we get a break for IU pregame man it is uh it's always been awesome working with you i i know you're no longer with the organization officially you should mm-hmm. be you are the best digital writer in this business oh, um man. and you you made us look a hundred times better than we actually were in terms of of digital articles and things like that and and you always bring it when you fill in never have to worry about you filling in um being a drag or anything like that so uh from me from james from hammer uh from everybody here merry christmas i think you and i are doing this again uh i think you and i are doing this again next week but with about uh uh, 10 seconds here left Uh, man i i really appreciate everything you do for us Oh, man. I, my heart is really touched. Nigel. I wasn't expecting that, man. Thank you so much. That that really, that means the world to me. I so appreciate it. IU Basketball, next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.